Welcome to Backlog Books. In this podcast, I will be recapping and discussing what I've been reading lately. My name is Kara. Thank you for joining me, and please be prepared for spoilers. So, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be at JordanCon in Atlanta. Not, like, as a panelist or anything. I'm just attending and volunteering. But it should be fun. Uh, that's my birthday weekend, so I'm looking forward to it. If you're at JordanCon and if you see somebody dressed as Buttercup from The Princess Bride with an ROUS backpack, that's me. <laughs> Come say hi. <laughs> uh, and let's get started on this one. This time we are talking about The Historian by Elizabeth Kostova. Here is the summary, which I have pared down and tightened up a little because it was kind of too long. Late one night, exploring her father's library, a young woman finds an ancient book and a cache of yellowing letters. This discovery plunges her into a world she never dreamed of, a labyrinth where the secrets of her father's past and her mother's mysterious fate connect to an inconceivable evil hidden in the depths of history. The letters provide links to one of the darkest powers that humanity has ever known, and to a centuries-long quest to find the source of that darkness and wipe it out. It is a quest for the truth about Vlad the Impaler, the medieval ruler whose barbarous reign formed the basis of the legend of Dracula. Generations of historians have risked their reputations, their sanity, and even their lives to learn the truth. Now, one young woman must decide whether to take up this quest herself to follow her father in a hunt that nearly brought him to ruin years ago. In city after city, in monasteries, in archives, in letters, and in secret conversations, the horrible truth emerges about Vlad the Impaler's dark reign. Parsing obscure signs and hidden texts, reading codes worked into the fabric of medieval monastic traditions, and evading the unknown adversaries who will go to any lengths to conceal and protect these secrets, one woman comes ever closer to the secret of her own past and a confrontation with the very definition of evil. The Historian was published in 2005. It won a Quill Award and a Book Sense Award, also in 2005. I hadn't heard of either of those awards, but I admit I don't really pay attention to book awards, which is a little funny as a book review podcaster, but it's fine. Nobody's paying me to do this. <laughs> Our author is Elizabeth Kostova. The Historian was her first novel. She's written two other books since then, The Swan Thieves and The Shadowland, and various short fiction and essays as well. She is a co-founder of the Elizabeth Kostova Foundation, which aims to promote the teaching and professionalization of creative writing in Bulgaria. I will include a link to their website in the show notes. It looks kind of cool. Now, I found this book in one of my neighborhood's little free libraries. I am so glad that I live in a place with little free libraries. They bring me a lot of joy. I love taking 30 minutes to just walk around my neighborhood and see what's in there and to pass along books I'm done with. So the historian, let's focus. This is a hefty book. 
I think if you liked the original Dracula, you should definitely give this one a try. It feels like a natural sequel to Dracula in the way that the story is presented. It definitely leans more into academia, into like history and legends, whereas Dracula itself was more focused on the people in the story. Also, unrelated to the historian, but there is a Dracula sequel written by Dacra Stoker, Bram Stoker's great-grandnephew, and just the description of it is absolutely bonkers. I encourage you to give it a look if you're curious. It's called Dracula the Undead, and it just retcons the entire original novel, changing the character's motivations and basically saying Dracula was just misunderstood. And then at the end, Quincy Harker gets on the Titanic. Honestly, I think I'm going to read it someday. It sounds bananas. The Historian, the book we're actually talking about, is a much less banana bonkers book. It is an epistolary novel, for the most part, which you may recall from my episode on Dracula is when a novel is told through the medium of letters. Our narrator is never named, a fact which you may have noticed from the summary, but which I only noticed when I was writing this podcast episode, after I had already read the whole book. I just think that's neat. You don't often see that a book where the main character is not given a name. So instead, we have this narrator recounting stories from her childhood and collecting her father's letters, accounts of his own adventures. And her father's stories include other people's letters. So this book has nested stories within stories clues leading to hints leading to more mysteries. So we begin with the narrator telling us that she's decided to put down this strange history, a story her father told her. And though the tale ranges across all of Europe and from the 1400s to the present day, it also is a history very close to our narrator's heart. It is the story of her parents, and so by extension her own history. It begins when she finds an old book in her father's library. A letter accompanies it, which begins, My dear, unfortunate successor. An intriguing beginning for a letter. When she asks her father, he reluctantly unfolds a story long left untold. The story of his search for Dracula's tomb. Like I mentioned earlier, this is an onion of a story. First, the narrator introduces the story, then we get her childhood reminisces, and then there's her father's story, and her father's story includes letters, books, and other people's stories. His story also begins with the discovery of a book. It is unusual, empty save for an elaborate woodcut in the middle pages, a picture of a dragon, and the word Dracula. Her father takes this mysterious book to a beloved professor, Rossi, and then it gets weirder because Rossi reveals that he also received a similar book nearly 30 years ago and an ocean away with the exact same print, the dragon, and the word Dracula. And then after they talk about this, Rossi disappears. And it's almost immediately after. It's like, 
her dad is leaving his professor's office and he sees like a dark shadow. And then Rossi is gone. The narrator's father sets out to find his professor and is drawn into a mystery that has puzzled historians for centuries. Look, who among us has not wished to find a treasure map in an old book or wished for a scavenger hunt that would lead you across countries and time to discover unknown dangers and potential treasure? Those who look into these books do indeed find more mysteries. First, you accept that Dracula the vampire was based on a real person, Vlad Tepesh, and then you wonder why. You dig into the history of Vlad Tepesh, his time as a hostage in the Ottoman Empire, how he claimed power in his native Wallachia, and then how he became one of the most feared enemies of the Ottoman Empire. And then you wonder why the Ottoman Empire still feared him after his death. There's more, of course. The widely accepted location of Vlad Tepesh's tomb is an empty church. There's the 15th century pilgrimage of monks who seem to be followed by a plague. Scraps of history which seem to indicate a truth perhaps too bizarre to believe. Is Dracula real? And, even more concerning, is he still alive? Has he somehow coordinated the kidnapping of Rossi? And for what purpose? So many questions. This is a slow book. My copy is nearly 700 pages. If you read it, be prepared for many train journeys and descriptions of monasteries and various European cities. For the agonizingly slow unveiling of further mysteries. And there were definitely some moments where... where look, you just have to accept that the narrator has added flavor to the letters she reproduces for this tale. She introduces several sets of letters, ones found closer to the end of the book and the heart of the mystery, saying that they were written swiftly by a person under a time constraint in a stressful, life-threatening situation, and you might expect that those letters would be short or terse, less descriptive, and you'd be wrong. Those letters are just as descriptive and eloquent as the rest of the narrative. Let me read you an example paragraph of a letter written when this character was sleep-deprived and scared for their life, with limited time before their captor returned for them. I moved my head slowly, looking around, trying to make my eyes clear, and then I was able to discern the source of the light. It was a reddish glow far away in the darkness, but how far I could not tell, and between me and that glow loomed dark, heavy shapes. I ran my hands down the outside of my house of stone. The sarcophagus seemed to be close to the ground or to a stone floor, and I felt around until I determined that I could climb out into the dimness without falling any great distance. Again, life-threatening situation. Limited time. You just gotta accept the ride that you're on. And you probably gotta accept that the narrator added some embellishments. Because that's ridiculous. That's actually only half of a paragraph. I cut it. Because it was so long and descriptive. <laughs> so as the narrator's father gradually reveals the story of his search for Rossi and Dracula's tomb, he also disappears. 
prompting our narrator to set out on her own journey to find him. Luckily for her, she's following the recent trail of a man she knows very well, rather than 400-year-old scraps of documents and trying to trace the origin of folk songs. What they uncover is the answer to a mystery kept for nearly 500 years, one that challenges what the mind can believe and asks what each person would do when faced with incredible temptation. And I'll leave it at that. Like I said, it's good. It is long-winded, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Traveling across Europe with this book was so fun. I loved all the descriptions of cities and monasteries and libraries. Kostova spends a lot of time on history, as one might expect from a book called The Historian. There's a lot about academia as well. The possibility of Dracula, of a being who has lived through changing ages and remained unchanged, is like the holy grail of academic quests. As long as you don't mind all the blood and murder. I had a good time reading this one, and I really liked how Costova wrapped it all up at the end. If you want more media like this, I suggest you try The Quick by Lauren Owen. And honestly, an out-of-left-field suggestion, but Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan for more of those sweet, sweet place descriptions. Join me next time to hear about The Serpent Gates Duology by A.K. Larkwood. As always, you can contact me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support it, the best way to do that right now is to rate and review it, or just share it with a friend. You can find the pod on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast or at backlogbooks.com. The music is by Joseph McDade. You can hear more of his work at josephmcdade.com. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope to talk with you again soon.